scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Timothy 2, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and and doubting. In like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let me draw your attention just uh, before we begin this morning to one thing. That is that we are going to be hosting a lunch for the junior high, uh, George Junior High teachers um, during their end service, not this Monday, but next Monday on August the 8th. And we are in need of some people to uh, help as far as, I know that some of you guys are uh, smoking champions uh, as far as uh, uh, briskets. And we're doing barbecue stuffed baked potatoes. Sorry, I probably should have clarified. You're experts at barbecue smoking, you know, champions. And so uh, we're in need of uh, people to uh, do baked potatoes and do um, um, some briskets. And so if you can help at all with that, or uh, if you're interested in coming and helping on that day, again, we're going to need all hands on deck. There's about 125 teachers and staff uh, that will most likely will be joining us for that day. Uh, if we could just have a meeting, brief meeting, about five minutes after uh, morning services over in the uh, fellowship hall. That way we can uh, make sure that all of our bases are covered and that uh, one person is not doing all the, uh, the uh, smoking, the smoking of the meats. So there you go. Um, that's where we're going to start. We're talking about modesty this morning, and this is a difficult subject to tackle. And it's a difficult subject because of a couple of reasons that I've thought of just off the top of my head, not the least of which is, number one, the fact that there are people with different standards of what's modest versus what's immodest. In fact, if you want to stir the pot of social media for a little while, all you have to do is post something to say, uh, this person or these people need to cover up. They need to, to, to wear more clothes or something like that. And what's going to happen is usually a firestorm of people saying, well, who are you to judge that person? Well, you know, what's modest to you is not necessarily modest to me. Well, who's the one that decides the standard of modesty? You know, is that to the knees? Is that three inches above the knees? Is it to the floor? Where does modest begin and where does modest end? That's one of the reasons I thought of why modesty is so difficult to talk about. Another reason is this, is that sometimes it's a matter of people not necessarily being educated as far as what is modest versus what's not modest. And sometimes whenever it's a matter of somebody thinking something is uh, a clothing, an article of clothing or a dress or a, um, a, a way of dressing is just fine, when in fact what, uh, what most people are looking at is saying, well, that's something that's immodest. And so that's something to think about with regard to that. Sometimes people are just simply unaware of, particularly women, how certain garments and certain ways of dressing affect men. God has made us visual creatures. God has made us to be attracted with the eyes first. One person said this, men are most likely attracted first by what they see. Women are most attracted first sometimes by what they hear. And so sometimes we have people that are dressing in certain ways and they're unaware of the effect that that has, particularly on the opposite sex. Some men, it may be, may feel pressured, may persuade, or even just simply by lack of instruction, permit or instruct or encourage their wives and their daughters to dress in certain ways. That may not necessarily be modest. 
And so you have that aspect of, of modesty where men don't necessarily think about, you know, how their families are, are being arrayed and how they're, how they're dressing. Some women, it may be, might enjoy the way men look at them when they dress in certain ways. If you have a low-cut shirt or if you have a uh, skirt that goes very, very high up on the thigh, then the question is, is that if you're seeing men that are looking at you in a certain way, sometimes that is something that becomes very attractive to you as a woman as far as, as what you're wearing. But what happens most of all, I believe, in our culture and in our time is people begin to talk about my rights. Well, my right is I can wear whatever I want. Well, my rights as an American citizen is that I can wear something, and if somebody has a problem with it, well, they just don't have to look. The problem with that is, is that when we begin to talk about my rights, we fail to understand that we have influence as Christians, and we have a responsibility to uphold principles of God's word and principles of godliness. We cannot discuss simply my rights without really looking and saying, what does the king want me to do and how does he want me to dress and how does he want me to behave? Because if we've left him out, we've left out the most important piece. What I want to do this morning is erase anything that, any preconceptions with regard to this topic and anything that we've talked about before and just begin with a simple statement. And this is what we talk about with our kids and kids sing, the third question that I ask or the third statement I ask them to answer, and y'all can help me with this. He created me. He created me. He created me to glorify him. And as I understand that principle, the fact that God has created me for a specific purpose, that everything I ought to do ought to glorify my heavenly father. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 then that means the way that I think, the way that I uh, act, the way that I dress has to be subject to the glory of God. And if it is not done for that purpose, then the possibility is, is that I might be dressing or thinking or acting in a way that's contrary to what God's purposes are for me in glorifying him. You see, what we wear is going to often become a great indication of where our heart lies, about how we think. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak, Matthew 12 and verse 34. And what we dress and the way we speak and the way we act in a way, and when we do it in a way that says, look at me, look at me, I can be immodest in my speech. I can be immodest in my thinking. I can be immodest in my actions. And yes, I can be immodest in my dress. And that's particularly the aspect of modesty that we're going to be talking about this morning. Muhammad Ali once claimed, I am the greatest. That's immodesty and attitude and, and word. When we talk about ourselves and think of ourselves in those ways, we become immodest as far as the definition goes. I want to begin with this working definition of modesty as we talk about this, and I'll illustrate it verse, uh, via three um, illustrations of different types of immodesty. If we're going to define modesty in a biblical way, we're going to do this and we're talk about this. I want to dress, I want to think, I want to speak, I want to act in a way that shows self-restraint. And I want to show self-control for what purpose, Andy? So that godliness can be better seen in me. I want to restrain what I say, I want to restrain how I think, I want to restrain how I act, and yes, I want to be restrained in how I dress so that godliness can better be seen in me. He created me to glorify him. And if I'm not thinking with those respect, then I may be beginning with a faulty foundation for modesty and for the principle of modesty. 
Modesty is, in a biblical definition, to show self-control and self-restraint so that modesty, so that godliness, rather, can be seen in me. Let me go through just briefly this morning before we begin a, uh, three different types of immodesty that the Bible addresses. I want to turn in your Bible, please, to Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10. Three types of immodest dress to think about with regard to showing self-control or self-restraint. <coughs> Proverbs chapter uh, 7, verse 10. The first type we want to talk about is sexuality. Sexuality. That is, when I choose to wear that which is too revealing, too short, too tight, too suggestive, because as I'm advertising sexuality, the Bible says that's type of immodest behavior. Notice Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, beginning of verse 6, talks about a woman who is uh, Solomon observing, and he's watching this, this young man, perhaps from his rooftop, walk down the street and beginning to see this woman. And he says, for at the window of my house, I looked through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, I, I perceived a man among the youths, a young man, a devoid of understanding. Passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. In the twilight, and the evening, in the black and dark of the night, there was a woman who met him with the clothing, with the attire, with the dress of a harlot. Now, question, in your mind's eye, how is she dressed? How is she dressed? If you have spent any time in a big city, perhaps you've driven by those places that some have affectionately termed the red light district. And the question is, how is her attire demonstrating what she's advertising. She is advertising her sexuality. Now listen, I know it's hot in summer, and I know it's hot in Texas, and this summer seems to be particularly brutal. But the question is, a lot of people wear shorts, and some shorts are shorter than others. And the question we have to ask when we begin to put on clothes is, what am I advertising based upon what I'm wearing? If I never consider he created me to glorify him and that I need to show self-restraint and self-control with regard to what I put on so that the godliness can be better seen in me, again, I may be advertising too much. Dress, immodest, number two. Turn in your Bible, please, to the scripture that was read for us just a few moments ago from 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. As I was growing up, I always heard 1 Timothy chapter 2 and the concept of the first one. That is that women need to adorn themselves with, uh, with modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, those things. And you say, well, see, there, there's a woman that doesn't need to wear a short skirt, and there's a woman that doesn't need to wear a low-cut to low top, and, and you see these things in this... Wait just a minute. As you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, and you see what accompanies, it's not a matter of too little, it's a matter of too much. Here is somebody that is excessively overdressed. And the Bible says, this is not modest. When a person wears that which is flashy, when that which is showy and extremely costly. That's what verse 9 is all about. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with propriety and moderation. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, clothing but what's proper for women professing godliness with good works. You see, in that culture, in that day, if you started putting on gold rings and gold apparel and you started braiding your hair and those things, and you're in the midst of a people who are primarily poor and, and societies where those things indicate a certain class of people, people begin to turn their heads and look and say, whoa. When we have an attitude, again, of look at me, look at me, we become immodest. 
And 1 Timothy chapter 2 deals with that in terms of being excessively overdressed. Some people really love having the fact that they have some designer's name written all over their clothes or written all over their handbags or written all over their sunglasses or wherever it may be. And so what they want to do is have the status and the appraisal and the approval of men that comes based upon having all of those best things. That's a form of immodesty. Type of modesty number three, hold your finger here because we're going to come right back to 1 Timothy 2. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11 is a curious passage because here's something that Paul deals with in the Corinthian church that it doesn't seem like he deals with anywhere else. And in dealing with the Corinthian church in verses 1 through 11, we find, or 1 through 10 of 1 Corinthians 11, we find what's going on here is that there are some women that say, well, it's my right, it's my right, I can pray with my head uncovered if I want to. When in that culture and when in that day, what you're talking about is talking about a woman with loose morals if she's praying with her head uncovered or if she has her head shaved or, or there's certain aspects that indicate a rebellious, immoral lifestyle, a rebellious immoral lifestyle. And Paul says, if there's a cultural custom that women ought to pray with their heads covered, he says, we as Christians don't need to be people who buck the system. We need to respect that culture and we need to respect that judgment. He says, because what's going on is that when you have something that you're wearing or not wearing, as the case may be, that shows that you're bucking the system or showing a rebellious spirit toward legitimate authorities, that is a form of immodesty. There are t-shirts out there for everything. And there are some t-shirts that indicate attitudes and lifestyles and things that are absolutely ungodly. And things that absolutely will not allow godliness to be seen in us because people can't get past what's there on the shirt. And so if we have shirts and we have attitudes and we have beliefs that we feel like, well, that's my right, I want to do that, then what's going to happen is people are just going to look and say, well, that's a person that you can't talk to. Well, that's a person that's got this uh, rebellious type of attitude. And this is a person that is not open to letting godliness be seen in them. Those three types of immodesty are dealt with in the Bible. And as we talk about what's self-controlled, what's restrained, so that godliness can be better seen in you and me this morning, I want to talk about some accessories that go along with modesty. There are five words we want to look at this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, to help us to understand that God created us to glorify him. And the goal is that we can be self-controlled so that godliness can be better seen in us. Here's five things to consider with regard to our clothing that we need to consider. And I'm going to give you the word. I'm going to give you some different translations. I'm going to give you the thought and the meaning behind the word. And then we're going to ask just a couple of questions by way of application as we move along. Turn back, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 2 if you haven't already done it. And take a look at verse 9. The first word we want to look at is the word respectable respectable. And notice that this word occurs, the very first word, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in, New King James says, modest. This word is the word for respectable, that which is proper, that which is orderly. Here's a question that asks ask about the world, can the world or what does the world see in me? And as a Christian dresses, they're dressing in a way that complements and conveys spiritual virtues. 
You see, there's a sense in which what's respectable for the occasion, what's modest for the occasion, is being held on to. What's going to be something that people can look at and say, there's a person that's not overly dressed, and there's a person who's not underdressed. There's a person that what they're wearing is respectable. You know, sometimes we'll go to dinner with somebody, and we'll say, or we'll go to a party or something like that, or an occasion where uh, there's, there's people there, um, a banquet maybe, and you're, yeah, one of the questions is invariably what? Well, what's the dress? Oh, it's business casual. You'll feel perfectly at home in, in khakis and a button-up shirt or button-down shirt. Well, what's the dress for this occasion? Oh, you'll be fine in blue jeans and a t-shirt. Uh, that's what everybody gets, everybody's going to be wearing. Why? Because people want to know that I'm not going to be overdressed and I'm not going to be underdressed for the occasion. I want to fit in and I want to show what's respectable for that occasion. That's this word here. What I dress is, or how I dress is going to reflect my inward character, desire for self-control in how I dress. Here's a question, a couple of questions to consider. Does how I dress show that I care about my appearance? Does my clothing look, in the word, well-ordered? Could somebody say that there's a person that respects themselves and certainly respects their master because we want godliness to be seen in us by what they're, uh, by what they're wearing? Could, on the opposite extreme. Could there be somebody that asked the question, does that person really respect anybody at all or respect anything at all? Could somebody see that I don't have the proper respect towards others or towards my God by how I dress? The word respectable, put on modest, put on proper, put on orderly apparel. That's this word that he uses very first, accessories to modesty. Word number two. The word is Modest. Well, you said, Andy, that's, that, that was the first word that was there in the New King James. True. But the idea in which we use the word modest is actually used secondly in this occasion. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with, New King James says, propriety. Propriety. I like the King James Version a uh, limited amount of times, but I like this translation. And the translation is this. It's shamefacedness. Shamefacedness or a sense of bashfulness. Paul says, This is the way that I want women to dress. I want you to dress in a way that's respectable, but I want you to dress in a way that shows a bashfulness that I don't necessarily want people to look at me. Or if they see me, I want them to look perhaps at somebody else. Notice, I didn't make this point at the front, but it's absolutely worth saying. He says this to the women. Does this mean this doesn't, doesn't apply to men? Absolutely not. The fact that he uses in like manner also at the very beginning of verse 9 shows that there is a standard of respect and a respect for modesty with regard to men as well. However, the temptation certainly when it's time to get ready for worship services, time to get ready for things. Women, I love you, but sometimes we take a little bit more time than men do going in the closet and picking out what it is we're going to wear. And sometimes the temptation for wanting to look good and look to look modest, per se, is much more, uh, much more tempting than it is perhaps for men. With propriety, with shamefacedness, I don't want people to look at me as an object of desire. I want people to look at my good works, and I want them to desire to serve God and serve others. You see, everything in our culture says, look at me, look at me, look at my lifestyle, look at my clothing. And a person like this with the shamefacedness says, I want you to look at God. Does our clothing, does the way we dress attract attention to our bodies? 
Does the way we dress attract attention to our bodies? Does what I'm wearing show regard for others or respect to not want to cause others to stumble? That is a question that we all need to ask. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we need to be our brother's keepers with regard to this. And helping others to understand, listen, what you're wearing is not going to help you with regard to uh, having somebody keep their eyes pure, having somebody keep their heart pure with regard to that. I was teaching a Bible class, youth Bible class, many, many years ago when I was a youth minister. And as it was, we were sitting there on Wednesday night and we were all sitting around in a circle. And there was a young lady who was a member of the youth group there and she had a skirt that came way up. And she sat down and there was no table, there was no tablecloth, there was nothing as a buffer in between uh, her and the people that were sitting across the circle from her. And I had a young man come up to me after class and said, Mr. Andy, Mr. Andy, I can't come to class anymore. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, I can't keep my mind pure. I can't keep my heart focused. I can't keep my mind on the Bible lesson because I'm sitting across. I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I knew exactly who he was talking about. And friends, I wonder sometimes with regard to that, why we don't as friends, as, as brothers and sisters, talk to one another and visit with one another about how we can help each other keep our minds and how we keep our hearts pure. Because sometimes all we need is just for somebody to say something to somebody else and have that person say, oh, I didn't even consider that. I wasn't even thinking in that respect. I need to think more about having shamefacedness, about having modesty. Does what we wear show regard for others? Listen, I don't want to cause anybody to stumble with regard to what I say, with regard to how I think, with regard to how I act, or certainly how I dress. And a person who is modest, a person who wants godliness to be seen in them is going to ask that question before they ever put on clothes. Number three, self-control. Self-control. I desire that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety. Propriety and moderation. This is that word, self-control. Moderation. It has to do with, I'm thinking the way that I ought to be thinking. I am thinking soberly. I am thinking with soundness of mind. And the concern for this person is, do I show that God's spirit dwells in me? See, for immodesty in Paul's day, it would be somebody that went to excess that wore too much. Again, please understand, brothers and sisters, that this is not that women can't look beautiful. It doesn't mean that they can't wear uh, jewelry or makeup. You see, beauty is not a vice. However, ordering our lives so that Satan doesn't use our vanity to tempt us to personal ex uh, excess or to exalt self rather than Savior is really the goal. And so the questions we ask is that, am I being a person with regard to how I dress being governed by passion or pride? Does my clothing exalt the Savior, not the self? Does my clothing exalt the Savior or exalt the self? Here's another question. When tempted to wear or flaunt clothing that accentuates, reveals, or attracts attention, does humility, does meekness win out? One more question. Again, you can go back and watch the, uh, the live stream if you'd like or uh, to write these questions down in detail. We're just going to move along as we talk about this. Does the desire for name brands, the latest styles, the latest fashions, make it harder for me to consider clothing that's modest? 
Every year I hear the same argument and the same difficulty that women have, especially mothers uh, shopping for daughters and sons in some respects. When you're talking about camp and taking them to either Bandina or uh, Peach Valley most recently, how hard is it to find clothing styles and clothing, uh, clothes, particularly shorts, that are long enough so that somebody can say, I'm adhering to the dress code? I understand it's a challenge, and it's not something that somebody can go in last minute and say, oh, well, I can buy this, 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 this. It requires some looking. It requires some investigation. Why? Because that's the culture in which we live. The style is shorts. The style is really shorts. The style is really tight. The style is something that says, look at my body, look at the body, look at the body. When as Christians, our thought process ought to be, he created me to glorify him, therefore I want to find what glorifies him. That takes some time. And please understand, I appreciate the struggle for mothers, for parents that are trying to find modest, decent clothing for their children to wear. Because it's so easy to find the other. And how Christians need to stand out as lights among the world when it comes to talking about self-control and dress. Number four, godliness. Second Timothy 2 verse 10. He goes on to say, not, uh, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what is proper for women professing godliness with good works. The word is godliness, piety, reverence for God, and thoughts and action. I feel like we've dealt with this. The question is, do I display a lifestyle that's pious, dedicated to God? I'm going to reverence God in all my thoughts and words and actions and certainly in the way that I dress. And he says that's proper. That's appropriate. That's absolutely in line for a woman that's going to take godliness and say, I'm going to do good works in God's name and I'm going to dress in a way that's appropriate. The implication of that is that there's a manner in which women dress that doesn't display a reverent attitude towards God and spiritual things. The question that we ask is, does the clothing I've chosen show my life of devotion to my Savior Jesus? Does it show my life of devotion to my Savior Jesus? Perhaps do I want the attention to be towards me because of my clothing or because of my character? Does my clothing glorify God? Once again... Stop for a moment, erase any kind of preconceptions that you have of what you think of modest versus immodest, and I want you to do something just for a moment. Go back to verse 9 and verse 10, and supposing that you read this for the very first time, I want you to get a picture of the person that he's illustrating here with just these four words. Picture in your mind the woman who exemplifies these things, and how is she dressed? In like manner also, verse 9, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but what is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Did you get a picture in your mind? Did you get an ideal to say this looks like the person that Paul is describing this clothing represents exactly, it seems like, what Paul is trying to communicate here to, these, these, uh, to Timothy to, to, to talk about with regard to order in the church. If you've got a picture, do that. Start there. Begin with that picture and allow that to govern your choices. One more word, and this one we have to go to the book of Titus, one of the sister epistles here of, of Timothy. And talking about order of the church, and we're looking at Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. 
as Paul left Titus there in Crete to order the church, to order things of the church, notice what he says, pick it up in verse 3, that the older women likewise be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to, de- de- uh, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste. Homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. By the way, who does he particularly tell Titus needs to give this instruction? It's the older women. There, verse, uh, verse 4, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. And the word we're interested in here is chaste. You're going to find that word again in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. In talking about a woman with chaste behavior and she's married to a non-Christian and how she conducts herself and how she conducts her life and showing submission to her husband. And by her good works and by her deeds and by her chaste behavior, Peter says she's able to win her husband without a word. What does she look like? What's she wearing? What do you see? How do you see her behaving? Is her lifestyle, is her dress, is her talking, is her, her thinking, is it modest or is it immodest? The concern for this is that the most precious things cannot be seen in a mirror. Can I see, above all, that the blood of Jesus covers me and covers my life? When we fail to picture in our minds these women, modesty is simply treating your beauty, ladies, with dignity. Proverbs 11 verse 22 says, A ring of gold and a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion or good judgment. And sometimes we allow women to lack good judgment and we encourage our women to lack good judgment by what they wear or what they're not wearing. Question is, does my dress correctly show my holiness as a child of God? I'm set apart for a purpose, and you are too if you're a New Testament Christian. God has made us a holy nation, his own special people, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And can people look at me and see one who is faultless and pure? I love the Greek definition of chaste because it is an exciting reverence. Again, we're not talking about somebody who respectfully is dressed like a bag lady. What we're talking about is somebody that if you can look at them, you're not looking at them. You're looking and saying, there's an exemplary example of my Savior. There's an exemplary example of somebody that's going to, uh, to, to be full of good works and their life is going to be something that you know that they're going to be going about doing good and you don't have to wonder where their heart lies, where their heart lies. Can people look at me and see, based upon how I dress, somebody who is faultless and pure? Friends, if we start with just those five words and begin to reason outward from that, it's never going to lead us to say, how short can my shorts be before it's too short? How low cut can my shirt be before it's too distracting? If we cover And think about the fact that God has made us in his image. And my purpose here, whether I'm a man or woman, is to glorify him. Then my clothing ought to be something that glorifies him as well. Let me say three things to you as we close this lesson. Number one is, based upon this subject, it has led some to become unkind with their speech. And to become very heartless and very cruel with regard to how they talk to others about the subject of modesty versus immodesty. Listen, Christ still governs the way that we talk to others. And the Bible tells us that our speech needs to always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And we need to be people that with gracious lips and gracious 
uh, love in our hearts, uh, talk about people in a way that's going to help them for their good and not to sit at the table and say, did you see what she was wearing this morning? Oh my goodness, I couldn't. And begin to go off as far as gossip goes. We're saying things to try and help each other for our good. Sometimes people are going to dress immodestly based upon ignorance or perhaps immaturity. We need to be people who pray for wisdom with regard to how we address and how we deal with people like that. Sometimes people just don't know any better. And if they don't know any better, with patience and with grace and with kindness, we need to pray for people to be wise with regard to opportunities and to see if we can make a difference in their life. God, give me an opportunity to help this person to understand more of the concept of what you want, me to be, what them, want them to be. Again, it's not for the purposes of bashing or tearing down or hurting, but it's something that we want to try and help one another. And number three, folks, if we stay silent on issues of modesty and what's appropriate, people are going to get the idea that it just doesn't matter, that it's just not important. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons why we have modesty standards at places like camp to say, this is how long your shorts need to be. You don't need to wear shirts that are too tight. You don't need to wear shirts that are too low cut. That you need to make sure that you're careful about how you dress. It's because they're trying to instill and build a spiritual environment. You realize that? The reason why we have dress codes, especially in church camp, is because people are trying to build spiritual environments. Can I tell you something? One of the best reasons why we need to have dress codes with regard to our youth activities, with regard to our, our door knockings, with regard to how we conduct ourselves as Christians is because we want to create spiritual environments and we don't want to cause people to stumble because of clothing. It's not just an issue of what people see on the outside, but it's also an issue of what we're training the hearts to be. You know, one of the best reasons to train a dress code with our youth to say, we want to wear shorts that are below the knee. And they, they may kick up that. Parents may kick at that. They may buck against that system. But one of the things that we're teaching is submission. To learn, I'm going to obey. I may not agree, but I'm going to obey because I see the value in what's being taught and what's being done. But if we stay silent, you're going to watch shorts get higher. You're going to watch shirts get lower. You're going to watch clothing get tighter. Women, can I encourage you with something? used to say, at least in wintertime, people would cover up. And yet somebody came up with the great idea of inventing leggings. Please don't wear leggings. Please don't. It's not helpful. From a man to you all, it's not helpful. And if we never emphasize what's proper and what's modest and what's going to accord with godliness, then we fail to miss with regard to our dress how we can best glorify our Heavenly Father. Friends, that's why we're here. Not here in this place, but here on this earth. So that we can bring every thought captivity under the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So that we can be people who order our lives in a way that completely and totally glorifies our Heavenly Father. And as we do that, we want people to see Jesus in us. We don't want people to look at us and say, wow, look at him or look at her. We want them to see our good works and glorify our Heavenly Father. And when somebody chooses to give you an admonishment, a rebuke, perhaps something that's done in love to say, listen, sister, I love you, but you're, you need to cover up, particularly old, older woman. That's Titus chapter 2. Thank her for that and respect her judgment.
Friends, that's what we owe each other, and certainly that's what we owe the Lord. He created you to glorify him. Are you doing that this morning? We ask the question immediately that, are you glorifying God in your Christian walk as Christians? Are you people that are constantly looking for opportunities to do good and to let Jesus shine a little more in your life? If you're not, make it right this morning. Whether that's public, whether that's private, maybe you need to repent as you're sitting there in the pew, and maybe you need to repent as we, uh, we sing this invitation song. Maybe you need the prayers of the church to help you with a struggle or to help you with something that's, uh, that's going on in your life. Whatever it may be, Christians, don't wait to change. Purpose that this week, this day, you're going to glorify your Heavenly Father. Maybe there's somebody who hasn't glorified their Heavenly Father by being obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Those two are conjoined together. The belief encompasses the hearing, the believing, the repenting, confessing, and the baptism is the point at which we enter into the blood of Christ. Where we come in contact with the blood of Christ, we're risen to walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, and we become a new creature, living solely for the purposes, not of my own, not to glorify myself, but to glorify the one who purchased me with his own blood. If you need that this morning, we stand ready to assist you. Let's stand and sing our invitation song.